Welcome back to Grow, the podcast where I look for the practical steps to help you and I excel in business. In today's episode, we will be focusing on how to raise external finance for our businesses. What are the things that we as business owners need to be made aware of? Where should we be looking? And what are investors looking for? These are the things we're going to get some clarity on in today's episode with our special guest, David Frutcham. David is a former tech CEO turned advisor and is the managing partner of Little Venice Partners, a London-based corporate financial advisory boutique which he co-founded in 2011. So there is no better person to be having this conversation with. So, let's get this show on the road. What is external finance? And what external finance options are out there? Now, we all need finance. And on this business journey, being aware of the finance options available to our businesses, where to look for them, and how to categorize them, is extremely valuable information to have. Well, external finance is, is raising uh, capital from someone who has no connection with you other than a contract. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean borrowing 50 grand from your favorite aunt um, or investing your life savings or, um, or, or any of those sort of things. It means, it means raising it from an external party. Now, you can, of course, get... Uh, there's lots of bank loans um, uh, available or, or um, uh, invoice discounting, factoring, and so on. Yeah, so you can look at it from two perspectives. One is, uh, where does it come into the company? Does it come in as a loan or does it come in as shares, as comes in as, as equity? And then where are you going to get it from? Are you going to get it from a, from a financial institution, a group of, uh, of individuals from a, a fund, or maybe even... These days, there's a lot of uh, uh, sort of mixed money, grant money, and mixed up with uh, other other support. Um, the uh, equity portion is uh, particularly interesting because, of course, you're no longer the sole owner of your business. So we need to be aware that if we considered certain types and particular types of external finance, e.g., getting equity investment. We no longer are the sole owner of our business. So as David said, there are other options such as bank loans or lending from a friend or a family member, which will not result in giving up any equity. But let's get a better understanding of why equity investment into our businesses isn't such a bad idea. How long can a company have external investment for? What's stopping an investor from saying, give me my money back? A key factor that needs to be made clear to us as business owners is how long do we actually have external investment for? As well as this, what things have to be put in place just in case all of a sudden an investor 
wants to take back their investment and leave. So most, uh, um, most external investors will, will operate in a, a 10-year fund. And that means that during they raise the money and they invest it and then they realize it, which means that they, they manage to they, they, they get their money back out again with a return. That means that uh, probably it's a five-year time frame um, because you've got to allow the time how old the fund is and allow time for it to be sold at the end. But three years is perfect, five years is, is, is fine. Some funds are what's called evergreen, which means that they can, they can essentially go on forever or be renewed, but that's quite rare. Most of them are tenure funds. Yeah. Um, so in, in the case where um, it gets to a, a few years into a company receiving investment um, and it's not necessarily um, looking good for the investor in regards to receiving a, a return of investment on what they've put in. Um, what's stopping um, the investor from, or stopping an investor from just saying, give me my money back right now. I want to go tomorrow. Well, that, that's, that's, uh, that, that's uh, really down to the amount of control there is in the investment agreement. So as I said right at the beginning, they, have a, they will have a mechanism to get out, to force a, a sale out. But it's very hard to sell the money, sell the business or get their money out without the co collaboration and cooperation of the, the owners of the business or the management of the business. And, and therefore, they will prefer always to work with the management to say, okay, now we want to see if we can sell the whole company, realize us, or just sell our stake to someone else. Um, and, uh, but if they, to answer your question, if they get impatient, it probably means that the CEO's um, role or position is at risk. Okay. Because the best way to do it is to fire the CEO and bring someone else in okay. uh, to, to, to do that. Having clarity of how long we would have investment for is something definitely worth us as business owners knowing. It will bring focus to us as the business owner or entrepreneur and also accountability as well. Knowing we've got other people's money, trust and faith involved in what we're doing, involved in our business, will keep us on our toes. But this can prove to be a pressured scenario, depending how involved the investor wants to be in our business. So my takeaway from this is that as a business owner, before I take any investment, I need to know who the investor is, and I need to know how this investor operates. Does it matter the sector of business we're in when seeking investment? Now, being able to know what's hot and what's not when positioning ourselves in a shop window for investment is another intriguing factor that many of us overlook. But is the industry or sector we're in important? Is this something that investors even care about? It does. Okay. So, so uh, venture capital in particular are looking for companies that are of high potential. Mm. So the economics of a venture firm is that they're really looking for a 10x return on their money. I can explain 
they have to get at least 3x, otherwise the economics don't work for them. Uh, but they, they like to shoot for a 10x if they can, because then they'll be very happy with that. But it, it, that's not going to happen in real estate. It's not going to happen in, in a lot of other businesses um, that, uh, that just can't promise that, that, that return. So to consider venture capital, you have to have potential, high potential. Can you give me an example of um, a high potential sector? Uh, there are a lot of them. I mean, uh, you, w what you're doing. I mean, in in the whole area of uh, uh, internet engagement, web engagement, um, um, everything that that means in terms of uh, uh, marketing services or, or whatever. E-commerce can be can be that. Uh, financial services can be that. Lots of things can. It's harder to 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 use venture capital for um, for something that is. Uh, that doesn't have those very high growth growth potential. I mean, you, it can even be healthcare. So uh, a famous uh, is a re recent example um, around the companies that produced the uh, design the the early COVID vaccines because a couple of them were were startups, and so Moderna, for example, went from when when the COVID pandemic started, they were doing eight million of revenue. And in six quarters, it went to whatever it was, seven billion. Did you invest in that? I didn't. Oh. I didn't. I, I, I should have done really, shouldn't I? But, uh, <laughs> I'm an advisor, remember? I should have advised them. You should have <laughs> advised them. Exactly. For a fee. Exactly. <laughs> well, just a very, very uh, small and uh, well-earned slice. <laughs> oh, no, that, that, that's true. So... Um, the sector that you are in um, does play a factor. In it does level. play a factor, yeah. but basically, I mean, for us as advisors, uh, we, 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 we don't care because a company is a company has the same fixed assets, working capital, unit economics, uh, valuation, you know, all those other things that finance people worry about and are interested in. They all have the same, the same characteristics. Yeah. But venture investors don't, don't like, well, venture investors want high potential businesses. Yeah. As David said, investors, particularly venture capital investors, are aspiring to 10x their investment. And there are certain sectors where this is impossible. So this shows that the sector that we're in and the sector that we're thinking about getting into is important. So we need to consider what we're positioning ourselves into. How much control do we actually have once we receive investment into our company. Now, knowing how much control we have of our business and knowing the level of control an investor will have is extremely important to know. You and I are the ones who kicked this business off in the first place. We're the ones who had this vision. We're the ones who had the dream. But does bringing a particular type of investment into the business relinquish the amount of control we actually have? Yeah, that's it's a, a great question. So I, I, I need to a little bit separate between private equity and venture capital. And um, if it's helpful, I can explain, explain the difference. But yeah, yeah. Uh, a private, private, they're actually, they're generally lumped together, but they're really very different. So private equity is essentially an owner of a business. So they tend to own a majority of it. They might own it, co-own co it with, with management, um, but they they have very tight control and it's essentially their business. 
venture capital are minority investors. They will invest a, uh, and uh, their companies are high growth, often loss making, private equity, generally later stage profitable. Um, and on, on, the, on the venture side, so the private equity have control because they own the business. Yep. So they have, private equity has full control of the business once because they they'll, in. Yeah, because they'll have a majority, yep. these all speaking generalities, but, yep. but they'll typically own a majority and then the, invest, the management are along for the ride in the sense of, of, of participating in the growth. Whereas a venture investor has a minority investment. So the, the control comes through the investment agreement rather than just being able to outvote them in the shareholders or in the board. Yeah. And uh, there are certain clauses in the investment agreement that give them control. So they'll have um, things like reserve matters, which means that there are certain things that the management can't do without the specific approval of the investor. And then they'll have uh, probably the most important is a thing called drag rights, which means that if the investor wants to sell their shares, they can drag all the other shareholders with them. That's what drag, drag rights are yeah. called. But, so the answer is, operationally, um, venture investors are much more hands-off. The management should be able to carry on and do what they, they want. But ultimately, uh, when it comes to a corporate finance transaction, selling the business or some kind of exit or replacement, then, then the investors will have control. Have control, okay. So in private equity, um, they become the major share owners of the company and a venture capitalist, um, that's the route where they're minority shareholders. But based on what you said before, um, they still have the ability to um, kick um, the CEO in the backside if the CEO is not behaving themselves. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, if you want to simply put as a private equity as an owner, venture capital is an investor. Yeah, yeah. Operational venture investors are hands-off. So the management can carry on and have control. That means we can go and lead the ship the way we want to if we took this particular investment route. Whereas private equity investment will become the outright owner of the company. Now, there will be pros and cons of either option. But overall, we're talking about control here. That's what we're focusing on. Only we will know what ultimately feels right for us to do. What does a business need to do to make themselves an attractive proposition for investors? I spoke earlier about positioning ourselves in the shop window so that investors can see us. However, what if we knew the exact things to do, to focus on, that will make us attractive in the eyes of any investor? So um, I mentioned potential. You've got to have a story that says that this company can be uh, very big or very successful and in its particular, you know, over a period of time, over a period of, of a few years. So that story is very important. Uh, the unit economics, far more important than the profitability of the business. In fact, the profitability is less important, but the unit economics, which are how fast do I invest and what kind of return does that generate over, um, over time? I think, you know, we were talking before about the sector. Um, there is a thing uh, about uh, hot sectors that they tend to get a little bit overpriced. Mm. Um, and being in a, a, a hot new sector, 
and the you know the investors may think that they're going to there's a sort of fear of missing out FOMO yeah. FOMO kind yeah. of thing um, but uh, you know the the best thing I can the best advice I can I can give is is be on top of your unit economics and have a great growth story yeah no that's good so be on top of your unit economics and have a cracking growth story cracking is a great word <laughs> your growth story and journey are things that can show drive, focus, passion to any investor. I've often heard that most investors base their eventual decision down to their interactions with the business owner or the founder. If the investors feel like these are the people we can get behind, then the chances are they're gonna commit. Your sector is very important. As we established before, there are such things as hot sectors. So we need to bear in mind the sectors that we're choosing to establish ourselves in because chances are more investors are focused on the hot sectors because these are the sectors that will bring them greater return. Once again, have a great growth story, demonstrating your passion, showing your vision so that somebody can jump into it is a great place to be. But as well as this, being able to actually run a business or have the know-how to run an organization or to bring a product to market is also as valid as having a growth story. As it was mentioned in a series of Dragon's Den, you can bring all the passion to the table. You can bring the story to the table but you need to know what you're doing. You need to know how to operate on a day-to-day -day basis because mixing these two ingredients together makes you and I great prospects in the eyes of any investor. As a business owner, where do you and I actually find these investors? Getting an idea of the places and platforms to look and also knowing the right circles to mingle in can save us a lot of time when we're actually looking for these investors. But where exactly are these places? So there's, there are a number of organizations like uh, BBCA, the British Venture Capital Association. There's, um, uh, it's quite helpful, I think, to um, uh, speak to someone who's already raised money so that you, yeah. can, you can get some recommendations. I think it's definitely worth going to speak to Cedars Crowdcube, etc. the the, the um, uh, the the uh, the platforms that do crowdfunding because they run pitch events. Um, there are accelerators. Accelerators are companies that, in exchange for a share of your business, they'll help you uh, develop your story, uh, your, uh, your, your and introduce you to investors. And so you you go through uh, a program with them. But I accept the fact that it's difficult because um, uh, venture firms are typically quite small and they get way more approaches than they can deal with. So they have to be quite rigorous about filtering out. So you've got to get your story right, mm. get an introduction, get their ear, um, and, then, and then take it from there. So I'm guessing um, once, um, once you get in front of the people um, that you're wanting to be in front of, um, what you're talking about there, like the, the what we call the elevator pitch, making sure that you, yeah. you get things like that um, 
to a T. Is that is that um, where like the accelerator groups? Is that where they they help? They they said like they that? can certainly help that. They can work on the 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 financial model. They can uh, can work on your positioning, uh, competitive analysis, etc. All of those uh, all of those things. I would add one other thing which is relevant in the UK is is the the role of um, uh, EIS or SEIS, so the the, um, uh, the tax breaks offered by the government uh, for private investors to to invest. So that's trying to to overcome this gap between your aunt who's given you a few quid to get you going to before you 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 go to a venture firm to raise money. It's trying to bridge that gap, but there are now funds, EIS funds that will invest, you know, a million or two million or that, or up to five million, that kind of band um, that that can help you accelerate your, your your business. So they are also worth talking to. Okay. Um, EIS is, is uh, and your company has to be uh, eligible for EIS, so you can talk to your accountant about um, what makes your company eligible. Yeah. Now, speaking to someone, who's already got money, who's already raised money, who's already raised investments, seems to be a good start. They may have the experience and the administrative knowledge of exactly what to do and where to go because they've already gone through the process. They may also have contacts already, which we could potentially tap into. But this is also dependent how precious that person or how secretive they want to be about this. Depending on the sector of business we run, accessing accelerator groups may prove to be a valuable exercise for our businesses. They have the ability to get us polished, refined and presentable as much as possible before we even step foot in front of an investor. They know what investors are looking for, so they can point us in the right direction. They can tell us what to say, what to do, how to look. So this is something worth definitely exploring. At what stage in our business journey can we begin to look for investment? Also, could we be setting ourselves up for disappointment if we're actually not ready? I think the most disappointing thing for an entrepreneur is to find that an investor uh, doesn't like the stage that they're, in, that they're at. Mm. And, and the reason, for example, that the company doesn't yet have enough traction mm. or is in the wrong sector or is uh, 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 maybe too late because each venture firm will have its preferred entry point. Entry point. Yeah. And, and just because they say no doesn't mean to say you're a bad company or yeah. it just means it's not right for them. Yeah. And so you're, you're going to have to kiss a lot of frogs. Yeah. I think this, this leads me on to uh, my next question, which is at what stage... Um, in a company's development, would they want to consider um, themselves for external finance? Yeah, so uh, it's obviously better if you can manage without because you want to retain as much ownership of the company as you can. Um, but uh, venture capital has brings uh, an acceleration of the business through um, through through their cash, but also they may bring contacts and connections to enable you to, for example, expand internationally or, or enter a new sector or help them help you with a new business model. 
Um, so it's, the question is actually quite quite hard to 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 answer because it's it 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 really is as simple as to that that the the risk is lower and the potential is higher. You know, it, there's a the joke about capitalism that it's it's where you, they invest when the greed is larger than the fear, and that's really true in in uh, in venture investing is when when the investor feels that the potential outweighs the risk, that's when they'll invest. That's when they will invest. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, you, you just you just gave me a political answer there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, so um, <laughs> you can ask the question again if you want. Yeah. But so at what stage um, in so. I'll give maybe I'll give some scenarios here. So if I'm um, I'm starting up in business, um, I've got my business plan. Um, I have investment from um, my own personal savings, um, some contribution from parents, from family. Have a few bank loans um, that, and I've I've started making some money. Some money has started to come into the business. Um, using that as a scenario. Um, is that a stage where I could now um, begin to court um, some, some some investment? Potentially, as I say, it's about the story of the of the potential. So they prefer to scale up, right? So yeah. you, if you're saying, "Oh, I have revenue," so you're you're starting at the, at the graph is starting to look like this. And if you can do a story to say, "With your money, Mr. Investor, I can really accelerate my business," that's that's the that's the point. Yeah. If you'd said all the things you said, but uh, I'm hoping to get some revenue soon. I would say it's too early. Okay. You've got to have customers. There are exceptions like healthcare and so on, which you, you may never have customers. But but um, uh, the, you've got to get to the point where you're saying, look, it all works. The unit economics works. The 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 defense. You know, I I can outcompete my competition. Uh, all I need to do is scale it up. Yeah, and that's the best time. Yeah. So assessing ourselves and our businesses to understand what our business journey and our business growth would be like without investment is something we must first do. If we're at the stage where we're trading and there's good level of income coming into the business on a consistent basis, then we can say and consider our business to be an appealing proposition for anybody, especially if we're in a hot sector. But after assessing what our business growth would be like with and without external investment, and we feel like things will accelerate with investment, then let's get ourselves out there. There could be an investor looking for exactly what we've got to offer. What is the best way to send a pitch or a deck to an investor? I mean, the best way to do it is to have a have a, a conversation first. I don't. I think, um, but but to to deliver the materials, yeah, probably some some kind of online sharing things like like uh, like slideshow. Slideshow. But there's nothing to beat. You know, one of the things that venture venture firms are looking for is the quality of the team. Because no point in being in a hot sector with lots of potential. But actually, having a very cautious management team says, "Oh, we've got to move forward slowly. We've got to make you know step by step." They've got to have confidence that the team has ambition and 
capa capabilities, you know, uh, competence. And, and so the best thing is, is to meet with them. It, yeah. is, it is the best. Yeah. So um, I've, I've, I've heard this saying before. Um, I'm not too sure if you're familiar with Stephen Bartlett. Yeah. So um, that um, investors um, invest in the people. They do. Right? Um, it, even if they, I remember, um, there's actually a question about Dragon's Den here, which we'll come to. Um, but um, there was an episode on Dragon's Den a few years ago where um, Levi Roots yep. went into uh, Dragon's Den I with um, <laughs> reggae, reggae sauce. Amazing song. I remember like it was yesterday. Um, and he necessarily didn't have um, the business nouts or it didn't come across that he had the business nouts. Um, but his charisma, the passion, um, the eagerness um, to learn and to also seek um, um, advice and to take what he's got to another level, it was all there. So um, it was clear to see that these investors not only recognized that there was a, a pr product with a lot of potential here, but this, this character, um, I almost called him a WWE wrestler because that's what, that's what it is. This character that um, Levi was, was the main attraction for yeah. the business. So um, just to add on but to it's what one, you said, It's one element. I mean, it, it's, I don't want to get political here, but it's a bit like politicians, you know. Charisma is just one element. You yeah. also got to be able to do... Oh, don't mention any names. No, no, we're not, we're not, not going to get that. I think I know what you're talking But um, in the case of Levi Roots, I believe what, the, what, what it was is he, he had the product. You know, we talked about the product needs to be there. He had the product. Um, but but uh, he got a sample order from one of the... Um, uh, one of the big chains and I think it was like a million bottles or something yeah. so there he is cooking it up in the saucepan and in his in his grand's kitchen and he has to go from there to a million bottles so what is what does that mean you've got to have uh, working capital by the way because you've got to be able to build your inventory and you've got to and you've also got to have the relationships where you've got to have the supply chain sorted out and charisma isn't enough for those you've mm. got to have finance you've got to have a team around that so I think a venture investor would be looking not just for him as a fantastic spokesman and promoter of the of the brand but people behind him who can deliver and people who can understand how much money is needed yeah. to go from a from a, a kitchen uh, to to a, a, a full-scale food production yeah. with all that entails yeah. no, that, that's, that's, that's really good now nothing beats the passion and ambition of our team or your team or yourself being demonstrated for others to see. At the end of the day, we are the people steering the ship. An investor isn't investing just into a business, they're investing into us. As a business owner, should I take investment of somebody who is a meanie bobini? Um, so does, a, does a, a business owner need to be, they need to be careful with the person that they eventually choose to be their partner, right? Very much so. So it's, it's one of the yeah, people like me say, well, you should do due diligence on your, uh, or your investors, make sure you can work with them and so on. But the reality is that there's more demand than supply for, for investment. So you may say, I like, do you have a million pounds? Uh, I like you, rather <laughs> than any other criteria. But yeah. it is, yeah, it's, it's it, if you, there, there are, there, there, you know, it, it can cause huge problems if you end up with an investor yeah. who you don't get on with. Yeah. So as business owners, we may be a one-man band or a one-woman band, or we may be working with a few people around us. 
Now, going from running our own businesses to having a board of directors or investors who we may have to be accountable to, that could be quite daunting. But what are the pros and cons that this could bring to us as business owners? Yeah, I, I, I think the, the positive, I'm going to start with the positive thing, but it, it is having a board of investors, a board of, a board of directors is, uh, is a positive thing, even if you retain 100% ownership, because if you bring in some wisdom and experience, um, you can benefit from that. Um, there's no one is, no individual is smarter than all of us, if you see what I mean. And uh, I think also the discipline of saying we set targets, uh, we measure what we've done, we see how we can improve, improve are all things that a board of directors will help you with. And I would encourage people to do that independent of the, the investors. Part of the problem, I think, if you bring in, a, bring in an investor, so first of all, they will bring that discipline. You will have monthly or quarterly or wherever it is, um, board meetings, you'll have to prepare results, you have to explain why you've missed your targets or why you've exceeded them. In other words, you either you can't deliver or you can't plan. It's kind of the problem if you, is where the variance analysis uh, um, comes in. But I think it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that you should welcome. And I said earlier that venture capitalists are not looking to dominate the dialogue with you. They want to leave you the free space to go and be successful. Yeah. The wisdom and experience that would be accessible to us will prove and could prove to be more valuable than any level of investment into our companies. But also one thing that we must bear in mind is that there will be greater levels of discipline that will come with having investors into the company and will come from having a board of directors because there has to be accountability. These are something that they will definitely insist. Are there any pitfalls that as a business owner we need to be aware of before we consider or accept any investment? Yes. So uh, I mentioned the, the one of the loss of control. So the loss of control is about getting out primarily, but it may also be a mechanism uh, to, to lose strategic or management control. So you do get... So a venture capital view is that uh, a CEO is probably only the right person for a certain stage of development, startup or growth or maturity. And at some point they think, well, the CEO needs to be recycled. So there is a, there, there is a, there'll be an element of control in the agreement, um, which, which that, that's a, that's a, that's a risk for the business. I think, um, in fact, can I, can I come back to a point that you raised earlier about the focus on the team? One of the reasons for that is, is that uh, if you're a really good team and you start out with your idea of podcasting, but in fact you see an opportunity to start making feature films, then you can, and your podcasting thing is doing okay, but it's not really driving enough revenue. If you've got a really good team, you can pivot the business and become a film producer. That's one of the reasons why they like teams because they can adjust and move in to, to uh, as, as necessary. But the flip side of that is that if you want to go in an area your investor doesn't want, that could, that could cause a, a, a conflict or a difficulty. 
and um, that's based on like any pre-agreements that you've had with them if like um, for example you said if you, you initially agreed this but then you've gone off and done this then yeah. that's when a bit of strife may start yeah exactly and we say well well it could be that they just we just don't invest in those sort of things or we you know we and then you've got a sort of kind of strategic uh, argument if the relationship is good you'll get through it you yeah. know, you'll find a solution but but the pitfalls are fundamentally around the sale of the primary pitfall is the sale of the business issue. You lost control of that. Yeah. For me personally, control is something that I wouldn't be too rigid over. Because if it brings on board the expertise that my business needs, if it brings on board more value, more skills, more insight, especially into a sector that others have more experience in. I will be ready and prepared to give over a level of control so that I can grow the business greater, bring more income in. Happy days for everyone. So I think control is something that as a business owner, we need to check with ourselves. How much are we prepared to let go of this company in order for it to grow? Now rounding this up, there are different types of external finances which are accessible to us. And there are different things out there to help us as a business owner and help our businesses to prepare before we even get into the stage of being placed in front of investment. Utilizing accelerator groups and accelerator platforms are things that I consider to be great assets and great valuable tools and exercises that I would highly recommend putting myself through and putting our businesses through because these are people that know what they're talking about these are people that have been there they've done that they know the lingo the, the positional sense that our businesses need to demonstrate in order to attract any investor but we must also know that depending the type of investment coming into the company we must be prepared to lay down a portion and equity or control of our business and I personally wouldn't be too rigid about having full ownership or having full control if it means I bring experts to the table to help me grow the business. But what are your thoughts? How do you grow your business with external finance? And are you prepared to let go so that you can grow? Let us know your thoughts. Thank you for joining us on this episode of growth.